Welcome to episode 80 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Laura and Penelope. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Laura and Penelope, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. When you first heard, work the steps, what did you think? Are you still confused about what it means? Or maybe you've worked the steps, but you're looking for more. Today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to work the steps. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic, what does it mean to work the steps? The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is co-host Maria. How are you today, Maria? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Spencer? I'm good. And we have a couple of other uh, guests joining us uh, by the magic of electronic communication. We'll hear from Ruth and Patty later in the show. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, What Does It Mean to Work the Steps? Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. And I have a reading today uh, from the book Courage to Change. It's uh, on page 26. I think that means it's January 26th, yes. I'd read the 12th step many times before I saw it, but there it was, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. What a promise. If I worked these steps, I'd have a spiritual awakening. There was hope, even for me. Now, that's not why I first came to Al-Anon. Like many, I came to find out how to make someone stop drinking. It was much later when I realized that my life was missing a sense of direction only a higher power could provide. Those wonderful 12-step words gave me the encouragement I needed to begin at the beginning. Slowly, sometimes painfully, I worked my way through the steps. In time, something amazing happened. I was filled with a sense of my God and his love for me. I felt whole. I knew I'd never be the same again. And uh, I picked that because it kind of speaks to, uh, you know, one of the things that can happen uh, through working those crazy 12 steps. I'm talking to Ruth about uh, what does it mean to work the steps. And Ruth, uh, I chose this topic uh, based on a question you sent me. And you had uh, asked, I think, how do you know when you're done with a step? At least that was part of your question. And what, what brought you to, the, to send in that question? Hello. Hi, Spencer. Hi. How are you? Um, yeah, for me, maybe I can explain my situation a little bit. I uh, started in Al-Anon several years ago, you know, maybe at about 15 years or so. And I was in a, a group where we um, just read the steps. And um, at the beginning of each meeting, and then we were talking about the step in a meeting. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, uh, I had a good friend there, which uh, she helped me during the first time. Uh, but I didn't have a sponsor, you know, like I learned today what, what it is uh, to have a sponsor, which may help you through the steps. And... Um, so, and then I had a, you know, I had an break and then I'm coming back and um, 
I'm again a group where we have uh, now working a very good program, I would say. We are also talking about the steps, tradition and concepts. And as we are a relative small group, we have, um, uh, I think, a lot of space for, for sharing. And um, But I'm, you know, after a while, also because I was listening to this podcast, I was wondering, have I ever done the steps? Hmm. Am I allowed to talk, you know, to 12 <laughs> steps? And... Uh, and until then, I really try to somebody, you know, to, to take me at the hand. And I think a little bit like give me the approval I'm looking for and say, yes, Ruth, you are done with it. You are fine. Mm-hmm. And, but meanwhile, I was also thinking about it. And I think from the beginning, when, when you are really starting with Alanon, it is important that you get kind of understanding and it is good to have, I would say, um, not really a feedback that somebody is saying it, you are saying it right, but at least hearing how other uh, people sharing about it, how they are understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> so that's do you, something. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that um, you're not, you don't get that from from your meetings? No, but, you know, in the meeting, nobody, we are not criticizing or expressing opinion and uh, also not giving advice. So if I would say something wrong, (laughs) nobody would tell me, you know, and and I won't say it wrong, but sometimes it is good and I do it. um, I have a friend, she's not really my sponsor, but we are. Um, very close and both working a 12-step program Mm -hmm. and somebody was saying, you know, I think um, this is a four-step thing you have to do or it's a three-step problem or, you know, giving Mm -hmm. you a little bit more in a direction which you do not have inside. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. But I've also, you know, sometimes I I told somebody, you know, working as a step always helps. What do I do then? What do I do is, for example, uh, when I know I'm uh, a step is a topic in, in my next meeting, then I take uh, passes of recovery mm-hmm. and preparing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm always <laughs> a good student. And um, so, and then I'm, I'm reading what is there and answering the question myself, for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I often notice it helps and I find something which I just need, you know. So I would call that step work too. Yeah. And yeah. and it, I, I just opened up um, past recovery because I thought I remembered this, that, uh, you know, in each chapter uh, there are the questions, as you say, at mm-hmm. the end. And the sort of title at the beginning of the questions uh, I'm, I just opened up to step five. It says working step five. Uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, there's a suggestion at least there that, that uh, well, and then it says uh, we can ask ourselves the following questions or use them for a group discussion. And so there's a suggestion there, I think, that, that by uh, thinking about those questions and finding uh, how we answer them, that that is part, at least part of, of working that step, I think. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Have you found uh, have you found that to be um, maybe true in your experience? Yes, yes, and it is uh, um, part of the answer. You know, mm-hmm. it is uh, you you can do it on your own by reading, also uh, with sharing about step with others, like in a group. But also, you know, there's the, sometimes the action. For me, for example, yeah. I, I sometimes fifth-stepping something, not that I'm calling a person, telling or somebody from the program, which I think is essential for the fifth step, is uh, letting go some of your burden and, and sharing. Yeah. So when I did something which I'm really ashamed of, you know, and I'm I'm beating up myself, and so I find a person. Sometimes, you know, just I'm I did something horrible, and on my way to work, you know, like spitting on a car or so. So <laughs> I get my old anger issue, yeah. And uh, then I get get into the office and meeting my colleague and say, oh, you know what, my my day started uh, really bad, and uh, again I failed to being. Um, a good uh, person in traffic, and I did this and that, you mm-hmm. know. And even so, it is not um, somebody with a program, and it is not something I would say official. For me, it is uh, like working the fifth step. Yeah. Or then, you know, next day, doing um, eight and nine, I know I should be better in traffic and be more respectful, and then I'm trying to behave better. And so you can always, um, uh, step work is also an action. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you take, take those steps and, uh, um, use them on, on maybe a daily basis. And, mm-hmm. and to me, I mean, um, you know, I don't, don't have, didn't have this question on my, my list of thought questions, but the idea that, can we ever be, you know, finished working the twelve steps, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of them? Uh, what What do you think about that? I mean, it sounds. I, I think I know what the answer is, but <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, it is a surprise when I'm reading, like you know, my my daily meditation. Yeah, and I read something, and I said, "Yes, why I just find that now was it there last year?" Yeah, and <laughs> the book changed, right? <laughs> yeah, the book changed, and. We are changing, you know, so it is, uh, there are always things you, you can work on and you are changing. So your reception of things are changing. There are new things which are happening. And, um, so I think, and, uh, I'm very happy that now it makes me quite of happy you are never done. And it is part of my life. And maybe I'm not doing it in every order. You know, in the morning, I, I'm doing the 11 steps, mm-hmm. which is very important for me every day, just to get in contact with my, my higher power. And um, or like the first step, admitting that I'm powerless. Every, you know, again and again, I meet people I can't control. Surprise, surprise. But I even through maybe I worked in the steps before, and so I did it with this person. Um yeah, I'm not still not perfect, <laughs> and so the things happen again, and and so I I can start over with the first step, or when I'm afraid, I'm often you know get caught up in in things, and I'm afraid uh, more quickly than I can recognize. 
then I, again, you know, I, I have to take action to, to hand over my life to, to my higher power. Right, right. And, and you do that again and again. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did, if you think back, uh, when you first came to Al-Anon, uh, and you first heard about the 12 steps, uh, do you remember what what you thought that meant for you as as a member of Al-Anon? Uh, for me, you know, I was kind of suspicious because uh, I was afraid to getting into a cult or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when I, I saw the steps, I uh, saw that I, in, in some way, I already know them. Not in that order. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know, fifth step is something like, um, now I don't know the word, but if you are um, uh, talking to a priest. Confession. And get rid of, yeah. And get rid of your burden or, you know, having trust or I always uh, were writing diary and know uh, what the goods out of to reflect about yourself. This is a fourth step and, you know, helping others. Those were concepts which I, I find a lot of in different religions and also in self-care books, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes only one step. And here I see that it was, um, for me, in a very logical um, order. And it was, it is always my first approach, you know, analyze and rationalize those things. And um, so... I had at first, uh, yes, an understanding, but more difficult was for me bringing the feeling in. And uh, I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes getting something, that's another way you can work the steps. They just happen to you. And sometimes, you know, things happen to me, and then I say, oh, that's the sixth step. I get rid of something, mm-hmm. and it is just happening. So, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy about the steps. They are part of my life and also the step work. And it is sometimes just, you know, feeling insecure that I had this question. Do I do it right? Am I, you know, qualified to carry the message? And, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I think that. I'm, I, I don't think there's a right way to do the steps. And I'm sure some friends of mine would disagree with that, and that's fine. Um, I think that whatever way that we do that works for us, that brings us uh, relief and recovery, uh, is is the right way, if you will. And it's the right way right now. And I know that that certainly my understanding of the steps has changed over the years, and the way in which I approach certain steps has changed over the years. And I'm not—I can't say that that what I did in the past was wrong, uh, because it was part of my journey. Uh, It—I—I I think, you know, I hear one of the things that I hear that that you were saying is is not having, you know, a guide, a sponsor, mm-hmm. uh, has made it maybe a little more difficult for you uh, but and i and and i you know that's why i do 
suggest to people that, that when they're working the steps, they find a sponsor or at least somebody that they can maybe meet with regularly who's done it already and can um, help to guide. Um, what has done it already? <laughs> exactly. Uh, somebody who feels that they have at least maybe worked the step that you're working on? I don't know. Mm. Uh, I mean, I know that... Um, You know, the, the two times that I would say I formally worked through all 12 steps, I did it, both times I did it with a, a group uh, working with the Paths to Recovery book. Uh, and the first time, my first time, there were other people in the group who had practiced uh, the 12 steps before, either in Al-Anon or in another program, and so I could look to them as, as guides. And the second time, I think all of the other people in, in my group Eventually, there was the group started out bigger and, and got smaller, and the, the the four of us that stayed all the way through, I was the only person who had done them before. Uh, and I think uh, I know that, that the other people in the group said sometimes they looked to me to, you know, as the guide, and I, it it's a little bit daunting to think, well, I don't really mm. have this wisdom. I've just been here before. <laughs> <laughs> But since I've walked down the path, maybe I can shine a little bit of light. I don't know. Any other thoughts about uh, working the steps that you want to share? Um, I think I said uh, what I what I have to say. Okay. And um, what I what I appreciate is uh, that my uh, my group, who's working every month a step, mm-hmm. gives you uh, an opportunity to look on it, not to to choose of it. Uh, and say, um, but the, the perspective you you can put on your life is chosen in real, in a regular basis, and that helps too. I like the, shall I say, the fortunate things. You know what happens if uh, the daily reader speaks to you, or you think the step which is coming now is just right for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for your time today, Ruth. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to hear the whole episode. Me too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Um, so, Maria, uh, I, when you came to the program and you saw the 12 steps, uh, sort of what was what were your thought about this concept of working the steps? Um, well, I was at first confused because every meeting that we went, that I went to would read out all the 12 steps in the beginning of the meeting. And so I was like, well, we already worked them. So what's, what's, what do you mean working that we just read them all? What else is there to do? Um, you know, so I didn't really get the concept of what it meant to work a step. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, they were all written out there. It's like, well, that was one sentence long done next. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, what is this working the steps you guys are talking about? I didn't, I didn't really get it. Um, Cause yeah, it didn't, I didn't really understand what else there was to be done with them, uh-huh, you know, cause uh-huh. they were just short and eh. I've, yeah. I've heard, I've heard people say sometimes, yeah, I came in and I said, oh, 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'll be done. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that too. <laughs> recently I was in a meeting and a, a fellow said, you know, I've been in the program 12 years and there's 12 steps. So you think I'd ought to be done by now? <laughs> And sort of the other end of that that formula, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, how did that change for you? Um, well, I guess I, like the reading says, I did not come in for the sake of the twelve steps. Um, that was that was definitely not 
not the point for me initially, but I, I came in because I found relief. And so I kept coming back. And as I kept coming back, I kept hearing more about, you know, people would mention working the steps and what they were doing and how much better they felt and et cetera. And so, you know, and I was kind of hesitant at first because there was a lot of God in those steps and that, you know, didn't really sit too well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was kind of afraid that it was going to be like a 12 step conversion process or something. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was iffy about it and I didn't really understand at first what it meant. Um, but I think once I, just from going to meetings and hearing about, um, other people talking, I kind of got the sense that, well, I remember hearing somebody saying, if you want what other people have or, if I want what they have, I have to do what they did. Mm-hmm. And what they did was work the steps, mm-hmm. even though I didn't really understand how working the steps was going to help anything because it seemed kind of irrelevant to my day-to-day problems. Um, so it was yeah. sort of... Yeah, I think I remember that too. Like, what does this have to do with getting right. my alcoholic sober? Exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it all seemed irrelevant. And, and so actually doing it, um, starting to do it was sort of a, sort of an exercise in faith, I guess, that... Um, Okay, I don't really get it, but these people who seem to be happy swear by it, um, and I'm not happy, so uh, I guess I could try this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was, it was, it was sort of one of those things for me. Okay, yeah, well, I think I'm with you there. That I didn't, I didn't know what it meant to work the steps. Mm-hmm. I just, I heard people keep saying that. You know, well, what did you do? Well, I came to meetings and I listened and I worked the steps and I got a sponsor and I did the readings and and I felt better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like a formula, but what is this work the steps thing? How does that work? And the answer that I found at the beginning was not really a what does it mean, but a how do you do it? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm reminded, uh, as I sometimes say, you know, that there's this chapter in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that captures sort of the core of the working the steps, and it's titled How It Works. Mm. It's not titled what it means. It's not titled why it works. It's titled how it works. And, and it really does have, um, a series of actions that you take, uh, for working the steps in AA. But I didn't know that at the time. Uh, AA was not my program and I was not reading that book. Although I know a lot of people in this program, um, do read that book and it's got a lot of good stuff in it, uh, even for us Alanons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and so the solution that I found was, uh, to pick up a workbook. And we have this book in Elanon called Paths to Recovery. And I think it was relatively new at the time I started in the program. And it's, uh, it's subtitled something like Elanon's Steps, Traditions, and Concepts. And, uh, there's a chapter for each step. Uh, and at the, at the end of the chapter, there's a section headed Working Step Whatever. And then there's questions. And it says something like these questions may be a guide to help you uh, in, in working this step or something. I forget the exact wording. Uh, and so I had that book and I had a sponsor and I joined a small group of people. There were eight of us in the group that we agreed to meet regularly uh, and work through the, the steps in that book. And, uh, those are, those groups are often called AWOL groups here. That stands for a way of life, a way of living. Um, and, uh, and so I found a process and, my understanding was that if I went through this book and I answered all those questions, maybe that would constitute working the steps for me. And 
you know, so we started with the questions on step one and each week we would meet and we would have maybe written out the answers to a couple or so of the questions and we would talk about them in the group sort of around the table. Not really talk about them. It was really much more of a meeting format with sharing and not very much back and forth in, in the, the particular group I was in. And, you know, we got to the end of the questions for step one and I said, can we add a question? And I said, can we add the question, how do we know we're done hmm. with good, step one? Good question. <laughs> Uh, and, and so we did, and I don't, you know, I really don't remember exactly, uh, what I wrote there for that question now. I, and I didn't pull out my old notebook, so I can't even, um, look it up and see right now. Don't have it with me. But that process worked for me, and it got me through the steps. And some of those steps, uh, asked us to do actions that were, were outside of the group, like making amends, uh, or daily prayer and meditation. And so, you know, I tried to the best I, as I could to, to do the actions that, that it asked me to do. Um, but what eventually I came to understand for me, and, you know, this came a lot of, uh, leading the newcomers meeting in our Wednesday night meeting, mm -hmm. because people would say, well, what is, what does it mean to work the steps? Oh, they're like, um, uh, you know, yeah. so I had to have an answer. You know, you know what they say, if you really want to understand something, teach it. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and so the answer that I came up with, sort of the elevator speech of working the steps, if you will, okay. uh, is that for me, it meant to come to understand what each step meant for me and to do the actions that were specified in the step if there were, if there were explicit actions specified. Um, and, you know, I still think that's that's a reasonable a reasonable answer to 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 a great extent. But I I also got confused when people would say, "Well, you know, when I have a problem, I work the steps on it." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so it, it actually took me like until last year or the year before to really again come to an understanding what that that meant for me. Um, so where are you in your step work? Uh, well, <laughs> good question, Spencer. Um, I am. Uh, okay, so I am officially on, officially according to my own sense of officialness, I don't know. Anyway, mm -hmm. I am on step eight. Um, I've also been in an A-ball group um, that has gone ahead, but I've been um, sort of absent for a while, so I haven't really caught up to where they are. Um, but I wanted to go back for a second and, and talk about my um, working working the steps or how oh, I sure, got yeah, started absolutely. in that. Um, so this, this Path to Recovery book... I'm not sure when I got it, but I know I got it at some point before I got a sponsor. And I remember, you know, reading through those, some of those chapters on, you know, step one, step two, step three, and looking at the questions and thinking like, oh, hey, yeah, I can, here's a discussion on it. I have now read the discussion. Here's a bunch of questions. I'll just answer them in my head because writing them out would be a giant pain in the butt. And I don't want, <laughs> who has time for that? So, you know, I'll just kind of briefly answer them in my head, you know, yes, no, kind of, I'm not sure, moving on. You know, so I did that sort of thing, and then I think I got to step four, or it might have been somewhere else, but somewhere I read something about it's really a bad idea to try to work, you know, you really need to have a sponsor in, in order to work the steps, and especially with step four. You really don't want to try to work step four without a sponsor. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I should try to um, abide by that. So, like, 
damn it, I'm going to have to get a sponsor. <laughs> so, so eventually I did, and then we sort of started over with step one and kind of went through and answered the questions. And, and this time I was... I think I had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to have more recovery. I'm ready to feel much better. And so fine, if I have to do this step work business, I guess I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't something I was excited to do, but it seemed like a means to an end. So I, I just kind of decided to go for it. And, um, and since I was taking it more seriously, I was like, all right, fine. I will sit and write out answers to all the questions. And I found that my, that writing them out, it was a totally different process. Um, you know, because when I'd gone through it in my head, my answers were really quick because I just was basically reading and trying to just move on to the next question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once I started writing it out, I started thinking about it more. And, um, yeah, my answers would be a lot longer and I'd come up with stuff that, that wouldn't didn't occur to me at first. Um, this happened a lot with step four, actually. Like, there's a, I went through the whole um, blueprint for progress that has many many questions in it, and I found that um, when I first started, when I first picked it up, somebody um, came up to me at the literature table and was like, "Oh yeah, that's a great way of really getting to know yourself through that book." And I and I thought like, getting to know yourself, like don't I? It's me. Don't I already know myself? How is that even possible? to get to know myself, like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I discovered as I was writing out answers that, like, my initial, what I would write down initially would be one answer, and then I'd think about it a little more, and I would come up with a whole different answer after that. So it was sort of like I got, my first answer would be what I usually tell myself, mm-hmm. and then the stuff that would come after that would be, like, maybe... Maybe that's not entirely true, and here's what's actually the answer would kind of flow out after that. Um, so I found that writing down answers to the questions was was really helpful in that kind of a way. Yeah, I think I found that too, that if I just try to answer in my head, I don't give real answers. Yeah. I have to. I have to, I, I have to either write it down or I have to say it yeah. out loud to another yeah. person. Yeah. I also remember somebody in a meeting one time saying, Something like answering the questions with like yes or no is like like that doesn't cut it. You got to have a more detailed answer than just yes or no. Which is one of the reasons that I I liked the a lot of the questions in past to recovery, and I think in the blueprint also because they often start with how or in what way. Yeah. Rather than do I or don't I. Yeah. So you are sort of forced to provide some detail. You, you it's yeah. You can't reasonably give a yes or no answer to a question that starts out. How am I honest or dishonest? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That doesn't work so well. Yeah. Um, um, so then I also, um, so I've been working the steps with a sponsor for a while, and then partway through that process, I um, ended up joining an AWOL group as well, but they were sort of already going, and so I was kind of joining in midway, so... Um, so that sort of became a different, additional way of working the steps mm-hmm. for me. Um, Did you find that that you found different things in those two processes, or did they reinforce maybe. each other? Or I mean, what? I think they reinforce each other. Um, the AWOL group was really interesting because, you know, when I was going through it with just myself and a sponsor, I would really only get what are my answers to these questions. But when I went through it with an AWOL group, I got to hear other people answering the same questions and they would come up with different 
facets of it that I hadn't thought mm. of or or maybe the same thing that I did that I thought I was the only one who felt that way. And, you know, so it was really interesting to get other people's perspectives as well. Yeah, I know if I go back to the notebook that I kept uh, from that first AWOL group, I have sort of marginal notes. And I think I often wrote those in a different color pen than I had done my original uh, answers in. And so I could tell that here's a place where somebody else around the table said something that, that I was like, oh, aha, or oh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, or that's that's a really good way of saying that and and yeah. Uh, and so yeah I did have that experience yeah and it, it it reinforced and um, enriched or something is that a word I'm not I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> sorry no <laughs> too many ends in that word somewhere uh, uh, made made the experience richer there we go uh, <laughs> <laughs> enriched maybe enriched yeah okay. enriched whatever. <laughs> It's okay. Okay. So did you have um, more thoughts about that experience, either the working the steps with the sponsor or with your group? Um, well, well, one thing that was different working with the group is was that we would be on a certain step and then we'd go through the questions and then we'd move on to the next step. Um, and so sometimes I was sort of left feeling like, well, I guess we answered the questions, but I don't know if I'm really mm-hmm. totally there yet, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. time to move on. So we're moving on right. and, you know, so which, which has its merits. I mean, cause I've definitely also had the experience of getting stuck on certain steps for a long time. It, it keeps you moving. It yeah. does. And, yeah. and I think I know that one of my traits, shall we say, um, character defects, if you wish, is uh, perfectionism. Mm. And and doing it in that format with the group and moving forward when the group moves forward helps me to not get so stuck in perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I've got to go. Uh, and if I need to spend more time with this step, I can do it by myself. But but the process moves on. The, 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 the parade keeps going. Uh, yeah. I see you opened your book here. Yeah, you so I've opened to- <laughs> my book here because I have to refer to step six because this is reminding me of that. Um, so step six says, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And I sort of really struggled with this one. Like, how do I know when I'm done? Because I'm never, as I heard someone else say in a meeting that I totally related to, like, I'm never entirely ready for anything. Like, how can I be entirely ready? <laughs> You know, so yeah. so that was definitely a uh, a similar experience of just feeling like I can't move on because there's this perfectionist aspect to the whole thing, and until it's perfect, I can't move forward. And I think eventually, um, my sponsor and I came to the conclusion that I should just try to be as ready as I could be in that in that moment, and then just move on and recognize that it's never going to be perfect. So yeah, and and you know, there's there's some interesting, maybe contradictions in the reading in the book for that step, because at the beginning it says, you know, the step is clear. We must be entirely ready to have all our defects removed, and and then later on it talks about making a list and the things that block us from being entirely ready, and and how we might find that our you know, we're more ready. I, I don't remember exactly how it goes now. I'd have to go look it up. But it's kind of like the beginning is really, really sort of strict. And then later on, and maybe it's in some of the individual sharings after the discussion of the step in that chapter that that people talk about, well, you know, 
I kept taking back my readiness. And, mm, mm-hmm. and so it, it sort of becomes clear reading on that they recognize the, 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 the writers of the book recognize that we're, we're human and, and, uh, you know, we might find ourselves maybe ready in a moment and then in the next moment saying, wait, no. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I know that, that, uh, in the AA big book, there's one paragraph about step six and it basically says if we're not entirely ready, then we go back and look at our, our defects again and, and see the pain they've caused us and pray. And then we're ready or something. And, mm-hmm. and now we move on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so actually that leads nicely into this, this question we had about, uh, action steps. You have these steps that say, took a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I mean, okay, there's an action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an action that for me was spread out over the better part of a year, but it's an action. Yeah. Uh, uh, made direct amends, made a list, uh, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, continue to take personal inventory. Those are all actions, and I can mm-hmm. I can visualize that. And then there's steps like step six, became entirely ready. Well, what's, what do I do here? <laughs> you know? yeah. I just wait and I become, or what? Uh, yeah. and, uh, um, and so yeah. I've come to see that for me, that, there sort of are actions, but they're more internal than external. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, for example, for me, step six is I can't be entirely ready to have a defect removed until I really own that defect. I understand that it is mine and, and I can't hide from it anymore. I can't hide my, I can't hide it from myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the actions that I take to do that are, Actually, I guess to some extent what in step five, um, admitting to God to myself and to another human being. But what I find is that I may have to do that admitting more than once. Yeah. Uh, before I come to own it. And, and once I've owned it, then I can, it, I'm usually ready for it to be gone. Um, I don't know. What do you, how do you feel about sort of this action versus concept question? Um, yeah, I mean, some of the steps are definitely more amorphous and floaty and it's harder to know what what it means to work them and when you're done. Like step six was sort of a floaty one for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess I sort of agree that there are, some are much more clear about the action. And then I think with the, the floaty ones, um, sometimes there are actions, but they're not spelled out in the steps. So maybe you have to have mm. a lot of mm-hmm. like discussions with people. Oh, you know, actually another way of working the steps that I thought of um, is sometimes there will be a meeting on a certain step. Right. And so that's another way of, you know, and that's, I mean, that tends to just happen more on a calendar basis. Like it's July, so we're going to do step seven um, rather than necessarily going through them all in order or at the time when anyone is especially working on that step yeah. individually. But but it is a good way of, of you know, getting some insight into yeah, there are there are uh, step meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to one that just each week we do a different step. Okay. Um, and just it rotates around, so you get through all twelve steps in about three months. Okay. Uh, and I used to go to a different one, did the same thing. Uh, usually, those those meetings will do a step one when there's a newcomer, mm-hmm. uh, and if there's more than one table, then the other table will do the step of the month because you know you're going to come back to them, so you're not really missing it, right? You yeah. Know? Um, and so 
at first I thought, well, okay, so after 12 weeks, you know, we're going to come back around and it's going to be the same step again. And am I going to have anything to say? Because I didn't, I say it like 12 weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but usually I do. Usually, mm-hmm. um, what I try to do there is, is connect that step to something that's in my life right now. Um, or maybe a way in which I've used that in the recent past. Uh, but it is, yeah, that is another way to, uh, to continue to, uh, sort of work the steps on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this, there's this, okay, I'm going to march through the steps once all the way to, from one to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that a couple times, but there's also, this continuing to, as step 12 says, uh, practice these principles in all our affairs. Mm-hmm. And that includes all the steps, right? So um, that's another way. Um, and I think, you know, there's this question that, that, that Ruth asked that actually prompted this, uh, this episode about, well, how do you know when you finished? Um, and how do you, I think, I think she was asking it in two ways. One is, how do you know if you've actually finished working the 12 steps? But also, I took it to mean, uh, how do you know when you finished an individual step? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and I think when I first started, I thought that, yeah, there was this notion, you know, I, I do step one and I'm done with it. And then I do step two and I'm done with it. And, um, I certainly have found that that's not the case. And, and I, and I've heard people say that in meetings a lot, like, well, you know, I work step one every day or yeah. I work steps one through three every day. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you're, you're partway through, but do you find yourself going back and, and redoing the earlier steps maybe to deal with a particular situation in your life? Oh yeah. Going back and jumping ahead. Like, I don't think it's, I mean, I, f- I feel like the, the formal official working through of the questions and going through with the sponsor and whatever, that part goes in a linear sort of way, but in a personal, like, what am I thinking about? What am I struggling with today? That kind of can be all over the place. Mm-hmm. So um, I've heard people say that, you know, you're never done with step one, especially because, I'm not. you know, powerlessness is, you know, it all, it keeps coming up. Like there's always more and more ways to feel powerless um, <laughs> or to realize that, you know, we are not in control. Um, so, so for me, sometimes, you know, anything, anytime something new comes up that I want to be in control of and I am not, it's like, well, there I am back at step one again. So, um, now, yeah. Do you find that your experience of having, you know, worked it by doing the questions and talking about it and talking with your sponsor about it, does that make it easier for you then to apply it um, when something else comes around? I think so. Or quicker, maybe? I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, step one is never easy. Um, but yeah, maybe quicker or I. It, maybe it becomes more of a um, an easier place to just go to, like, okay, I'm powerless, like, boom, apply step one. Like, that's that's <laughs> right. your go-to thing, right. you know. So yeah. You have a tool, pull it out of your toolbox and right, use it. Right, yeah. right, right. And just like uh, if if I find a – if I need to take out a screw and it's, like, all rusty and, and you know, maybe you have to put some oil on it or something like that, but I know how to use the screwdriver. Right. Uh, but sometimes it's harder than than others. Right, right. Circumstances change. Some things are easier to accept our powerlessness yeah. over than others. And then, and then, likewise, like sometimes I find myself jumping ahead because it's like, oh, I screwed something up. Time to make amends. Like that's step ten. I'm not officially there yet, mm. 
But just because I'm not officially there doesn't mean I'm not continually screwing things up and needing to make amends all along the way. Yeah, and so. and I know I've heard it said, and and certainly I th- I'm pretty sure that I I thought this as uh, you know as I was working, particularly once I got past step four, I was like, you know, this step ten thing like this keeps me from having to do step four again. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I will like try to practice that, and I'm sure I didn't practice it. Uh, you know, very, very well at the beginning, but at least I saw it as a way to, um, you know, sort of keep, keep working the program. Uh, and I heard a, a, an open speaker, uh, an AA speaker once say that in his opinion that at steps one through nine were the program and steps one through nine were what got him sober and that steps 10, 11, and 12 were what kept him sober. Uh, and I thought, you know, that, that that's a pretty fair statement that really the the new work of the steps the things that we have never done before are in steps 1 through 9 and admitting our powerlessness and finding a higher power in coming to know ourselves in being vulnerable and admitting who we are uh, in asking for change and in making amends for the wrongs we've done in the past that that's the those are all things that, that many of us have not done or have not had a, a way of a, a framework for doing before. And then 10, 11, and 12 are sort of about maintaining and deepening uh, the mm-hmm. things that we, that we did and that we learned. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I also, I mean, with step 11, it's like it's not like anyone tells you to wait till you're there before you can pray or meditate. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I've never yeah. heard that. In fact, uh, uh, <laughs> I hear most people say, yes, my sponsor tells me to pray and meditate. I have a problem. She says, this is a, a friend of mine says, yeah, my sponsor always tells me, do a four-step pray and meditate. <laughs> <sighs> Sigh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. All right. Any uh, any last thoughts about working the steps? Um, I guess not. I guess that pretty much covers it. All right. I'm talking to Patty today about uh, working the steps and what it means to her. Hi. I think before we uh, started recording, you were you were talking about what you thought when you first heard that uh, phrase, working the steps. When I first, I've been in recovery for a little over 20 years, so um, I came into the rooms a lot younger than I am now, and I think probably more for social, um, to meet some social needs and to maybe vent more when I first came in. I think when I heard the phrase, work the steps back then, it seemed more like the steps were more just topics for the meetings. I, I went to the meetings and I listened to other people share and and I was kind of vaguely aware that there was a topic um, and that the topic was the steps, but I wasn't quite quite sure what that was at that time. And then as I've been in the rooms um, longer, then working the steps meant much more to me. It meant, you know, going through the whole process of, re- of reading the big book, of of journaling and writing out answers and, you know, doing a fourth step and, and actually, actually like what, what seems to me to be working the steps now. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds to me like you have done this more than once. Yes, I have. I, um, I'm a, a triple winner, you know, there's double winners and, yeah. and I'm a triple winner. So I'm in three different programs and in, in three different recovery programs and so different times in my life um, that I've started those when I first started working the steps, it was 
Um, like I said, at first it was more just kind of topics for the meetings. And then as my life progressed and I got a little older and I got maybe a little bit more serious about recovery, then I actually got the books out and started to work them out in, in another program, not, not in the Al-Anon program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually been in other programs longer than I have Al-Anon. I've only been in Al-Anon for a year. Um, and the other programs I've been in longer than well. And when you, when you worked the steps, um, maybe for the first time, uh, did you work it with a sponsor? Uh, how did you do that? I actually worked them with a counselor the first time that I worked the steps. Ah. So I, uh, I went to groups and worked on the steps and then talked a lot about the steps um, more in counseling sessions than I did with an actual sponsor the first time through. Mm-hmm. Was this a, a counselor who uh, understood 12-step recovery? Yes. Yeah, they specialized in, in 12-step recovery. Um, how have you found um, the experience different in the, the different times you've done it, both because maybe you had more recovery uh, when you started or because you were doing it in a different program? Have you seen significant differences, or is it is it very similar in, in the different programs when you've done it? I think each time I've done it, it's been, it's been different. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely an evolution involved. The first in, in the years when I first came into recovery, I think I had a lot of pent-up emotion. There was a lot of emotion that kind of came out with the steps that, that I just had to express a lot of emotion with those. And then as I got a little older, I really started looking at a little more seriously on, on how do I want to change me. I think when I was younger, I was a lot more reactive, and my responses to the steps were much more reactive. And mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, it's much more proactive. And, and, and what is my, what is, um, my side of the street? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten, um, and you know, at first, when I, as I kind of matured in that, there was some black and whiteness when I looked at the steps. It was more I treated it, you know, like a school, like a class I might be taking at school. You'd, you know, you'd finish that off, and then I would kind of think I was done. You know, I was done with step one. Now I, as like, like I wouldn't have to revisit that, and and I would just be done with it. I could do step two, and at step twelve, I would I would be all better. And, uh, yes. Or else, whatever whatever crisis had brought me to the recovery um, to the room, I would think you know at step twelve I could kind of graduate. I'd have that done, and and um, and it was more about putting out whatever the fire was in my life at that time. So mm-hmm. whether the fire was a relationship or or you know a, um, an addiction, it was about putting out that fire and then being done. And and. Even then, as I've gotten older and started the steps again, it's much more of a life process and learning process. They become much more like like tools to apply in my life, mm-hmm. and I don't. I, I know that I'll never be done with step one. You know that I may work through a workbook and 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 be at a point where I'm done with step one in this program and in this point in the workbook, but that I'm going to revisit that again. And each time I revisit a step, I see more and more. So now they've become more of a process. Um, so that, that raises a couple of, of questions. First, um, what, what does, what is your understanding of, of now of the phrase work the steps? And the second is, uh, how do you know that you're so to speak done, uh, with a particular step, at least for today? Work the steps now to me um, has two two particular kind of meanings. I um, I'm working through the steps again in a program. I I work 
in a program where it's, they just kind of each month we take a step and, and we work on that. So I usually have a step that I'm focusing on right now, and that's part of working the steps for me. Um, also, as issues come up in my life, um, I know that there's times when I have to take a particular issue and apply apply the steps to that. And that would be working the steps for me, too, that a certain things occurred in my life. And, and then to look at it through the eyes um, of the steps and, and work it through, you know, what, what am I powerless? How am I powerless here? And, and um, what do I need to turn over? And, and using the steps to look at a particular incident. So there's, there's really two ways I do it, just that ongoing growth of a step and then applying it um, you know, in my life practically. And then what was the second question? You talked about, um, you know, being done with a step and, and, you thought it would be done with all all twelve steps, or you would finish the the steps, and and you know that situation would be better. And sort of, how do you know when you're done? I mean, this I think this is a question. This is a question my sponsees have had, and and my usual answer to that is, you're done. How, how do you know? Yes, I think there is a definite done for now um, that I'm at now. I guess. Now I can realize that, that I'm never done and, and that that's a good thing because I'm always, I'm always growing and so there'll always be other incidences that I need to, I need to come back and revisit. But there's definitely a, a done for now. It, it's helpful for me that, um, I, I use workbooks mm-hmm. as I, as I redo the steps and it's nice that, that step one lasts for, you know, goes from page one to page 20 or whatever. Um, and I, I no longer think at the end of page 20 now I'll never have to do that again, but it does give me a nice kind of sense of like, okay, I'm, I'm done focusing on that and I'm ready, I'm ready to focus on the other one. Mm-hmm. So using the workbook gives you a, a completion because you've, you've yeah. worked through, you've answered, written out to all the questions, at least to the, the best you can at the moment. And then, yes. and then yes. you can move on to the next one in the workbook. Um, yeah. And, uh, okay, questions here. Another question. Um, oh, yeah, so there's, I had this question uh, about uh, action steps. Sometimes we talk about action steps, and I wonder how you, if you see the steps as being some of them really are action steps and some of them are something else. Uh, yeah, I do see them as maybe two different things. I think some steps are more action steps and more are kind of for like practical application. They're more something that you can sit down and, and fill out a workbook on. And then I think other steps are, are more conceptual steps. Mm-hmm. There's a concept to, to, to think about and maybe just a, a change of thinking and, in, in, um, or a shift in the way I think about things that needs to happen in, in that particular step. I think both are essential, but yeah. I do see more steps as more kind of practical hands-on and others, like a, like a constant step shift. And, and how do you, I guess, how do you, how have you um, worked to accomplish that shift? Is that, does the workbook help that? Does discussion with sponsor or counselor or, or other people in the program help? I think the workbooks really help me with the action steps. Mm-hmm. Because there's just questions to answer or a chart to fill out or specific things that are, are laid out to do. And that's really helpful for me on the action steps. The, con- the concept steps, um, I do a lot of reading about. And uh, if it's something spiritual, I, I usually find that I, it takes me some time because I have to 
investigate what what my beliefs are and 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 I need to talk about that more. So those are more steps that come out maybe in meetings mm-hmm. um, that I listen to other people's shares and that helps me with that particular step um, as I listen to other people or as I um, meditate to kind of see where, where I'm at with that particular thing. And then maybe just taking like a daily reading and just um, just kind of focusing on that for the day mm-hmm. and and trying to shift my, shift my, my perception. Yeah, and and that just reminded me that of that our daily readers have these really handy little indexes in the back by topic. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can go say, hmm, step three. What can I what can I read about step three today? Um, you also mentioned a tool that that I like to use, which is um, I have one of my meetings is is a topic meeting and. Uh, we usually just go with the daily reading, but at the beginning of the meeting, we always ask if somebody has a, a particular topic they'd like to address. And so uh, when I'm struggling with a particular thing, I can bring it to that meeting and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Uh, I'd like to hear your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, yes. Yeah, in the Al-Anon, like in the Al-Anon workbook, it has, uh, it has different examples of how other people have applied yeah. steps. and in those conceptual steps that are a little more murky, it really helps me to, to read stories and to get other people's insights and experiences to help me um, figure out what my own thoughts are. Because it helps me define what my thinking is when I can hear what other people's thinking on a topic is. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of stories as a means of communicating difficult concepts, uh, making them concrete. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know you said that uh, you have some sponsees. Uh, do you work with your sponsees in a particular way when they're um, working the steps? I do. I I do tend to use the workbook mm-hmm. that that works best for me. I don't have sponsees yet in the Al-Anon program. Mm-hmm. I have sponsees in my other programs. I'm I'm still in the new stages of my Al-Anon, and it's not not. I don't know that I'm. Um, where I would need to be to be a sponsor just yet in Al-Anon. But in my other programs, I do use the workbook. Not that we have to stick to it. I try not to be too rigid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, at the same time, well, it's a combination of the of the workbook and um, and the big book or whatever book happens to fit to go kind of simultaneously with that particular program. Mm-hmm. So just to, to kind, of, kind of combine the readings that are in the book along with the activities in the program really seems to to do well because they're just good ways to uh, start conversations with sponsees a lot. Um, yeah. it, it helps. It, it helps it not be quite so murky and to just kind of open up about what's going on in their life and where they're at and where they have been. And so I use the workbooks not so much as a as something that needs to be completed for points. I um, tend to look <laughs> at things kind of academically, academically because I teach, but more like as conversation starters. So the questions in there are conversation starters, and we'll just go through the workbook and and look at a question and 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 talk about their response to that question and just explore that a little bit more and use it as kind of a springboard. Mm-hmm. You know, the one step that uh, um, usually is, in my experience, is, has the most formal uh uh, written whatever component to it is is often step four, and there are so many different ways to work step four. Uh, 
depending on, on where you're coming from and what kind of personality you have. Have you um, consistently used uh, one way on step four, or have you uh, changed that up as, as over the years, perhaps? I I have used the chart mm-hmm. over the years. That's been kind of the go-to point. I think that um, this I, is the the um, I, the chart is explained in the big book. Yeah, with the fears kind of the and chart, so on. Yeah, and, and just as the internet, there's yeah, the, the kind of that basic one. I'll just kind of download it over yeah. the internet and and use it. I do find that like. I usually have a lot more stuff to put in than can be fit into a box. And Fonty tends to do so. So it's kind of the box, and then there's a narrative that that goes with that. That maybe um, I write out, or maybe it's just like a discussion that mm-hmm. I have with my sponsor, or that I have with my sponsees that that kind of elaborates on on what's in the box for that. I I'm not sure that I think there's probably a, a better way to do the fourth step. I would like to, I need to explore different avenues for that. It is very huge. It is, and and I, you know, I'm just in the Alan, just in the Alanon program. Um, thank you very much. That's enough. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and I have actually worked step four. I think three different ways. Um, I worked it out of the Path to Recovery book, uh, which is, is got um, at what I thought at the time uh, when I was still only about a year into the program. I thought it was very thorough. Um, and then I've worked it out of the Blueprint for Progress book, which is, oh my God, 90 pages of questions, with some space to write answers. Um, and I actually appreciated the space to write answers because I figured out what I figured when I filled the space up, I could stop writing. Um, you know, talking about done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I've worked it on specific, sort of specific problems uh, using the, the chart. Um, I worked through a fear worksheet, for example, um, recently, and uh, and and I so I sort of felt like each of those was good for what I needed it for. Um, you know, the second time through, the first time through, I actually tried to do the blueprint for progress the first time through, and just I think I stopped on maybe the second page. This is I can't do this. This is too much. And the second time, I really appreciated the more detailed questions to to dig in a little deeper because I was ready to do that. So. I think that's an important point there too. That ready to ready to do that, and that's um, I haven't I haven't done the blueprint for progress. for progress. I yes. haven't done that one before. Yeah. I think that that's one that I would like to look at in the future. I do find that when I when I have done four step inventories, and when I have sponsees that have done um, four step inventories that. It can be an easy place to um, to start to obsess and shame yourself in. So yeah. I uh, I think there's a good thing about there being a limit to how much you can write. <laughs> Just to kind of um, not get too focused on uh, on everything in the world is my fault. And I yeah. I see that that was a great thing that my first sponsor pointed out to me was was um you know what's the damage you've done you know and and that uh, that I didn't have to write down every you know, cranky thought that had run through my head and obsessed about guilt over, over any time I've been angry. And, and so in the beginning, I think I have a lot of sponsees who just feel so bad already and already feel social. We're so shamed that the, the chart, the chart can be a little, 
a little less intimidating. And at the same time, I do think that eventually some of that other stuff needs to be explored. So, yeah, and that was certainly true for me. You know, I I did what I could do the first time, and and there were a lot of things that as I saw the second time through that were left out, I just couldn't look at them the first time through. And, and I yeah. think you have a, you, you make a really good point about where uh, the guidance of a sponsor can be extremely helpful um, in, in keeping us from going down those rabbit holes that are, that are too easy for us to fall into. Yeah. Right. And thinking that I think it's the tendency of, I don't, I don't want to make generalities. I guess it's a tendency for me and for other sponsees that I've worked in some to, um, feel like they're so, they're so responsible for so many things that, yeah. that the four steps can be kind of, it can just be, uh, it can be a difficult, a difficult one to guide people through. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for your thoughts here. Do you have any, um, uh, sort of final thoughts about working the steps that you'd like to share? No, not really. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much. Um, yes. It's been great talking to you. Yes, and thank you for having me. Uh, I want to close this section with the reminder from uh, our January 26th reading. It says, The steps offer me a roadmap for living that leads to a spiritual awakening and beyond. I can't skip ahead to the end of the journey, which can at times be a hard one but I can put one foot in front of the other and follow the directions I've been given, knowing that others who have gone before me have received more along the way than they ever dreamed. And that actually um, leads nicely into um, the song that I'm going to uh, to talk about. Uh, as, as I explained last week, we're, not, uh, we're no longer including copyrighted music directly in the podcast, uh, but we will... We will play music that we have explicit permission from the creator to use, and so we'll have a little musical break. But uh, we still feel that music can help carry the message, uh, speaks maybe to a different part of you know, our mind or something than, than words. And uh, so I'm putting a playlist of, of related music on the website. You can find the songs for this episode at the, therecoveryshow.com slash 80, this being episode 80. And my first collection in the selection in the playlist is uh, One Step at a Time by Jordan Sparks. Uh, and, and it really, that follows on so nicely from that, that little reading, uh, because we're recommended to work the steps one step at a time. Uh, here's a little bit of the lyrics. One step at a time. There's no need to rush. It's like learning to fly or falling in love. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen that we find the reasons why one step at a time. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And are you ready to uh, to share your week? Um, how about you go first? <laughs> okay. Spencer will go first. Maria will go second. And I actually made some notes because uh, I, like, I can never remember exactly what I want to say. Um, so one of the things that uh, happened in the last week happens, but... I, I noticed it. Um, my my wife and my daughter were having a discussion about some of my daughter's emotional issues, and uh, and I just kept thinking, you know, I think she could really benefit from this program. And I'm really glad that I have tools to deal with those things, even if she's not ready yet 
And, and it's kind of funny. I think I might have mentioned this earlier, but she had told a friend of hers who was having control issues over the um, alcoholics and addicts in the house that they were living in. And, and she recommended to him that he should go to Al-Anon. She said, yeah, I know I'm being hypocritical here, <laughs> not going myself, but like, you know, she knows it's there and, uh, and maybe, maybe she'll find it or maybe she'll find, you know, relief in another way through, uh, therapy or something. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's painful to watch, um, her expressing these things and, and know that, you know, I'm powerless to fix them mm-hmm. and that probably I had a part in causing them. Creating them in the first place. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I was thinking about my meetings. Uh, the Wednesday night meeting, uh, had a lead about taking care of ourselves. And it was, it was a really, really good lead. I thought it spoke, it spoke to me. Um, and, uh, the, the person, uh, who shared talked about, uh, one of the ways in which they, they were really happy to take care of other people by, uh, preparing food for them, feeding them, uh, you know, good meals. And, and I just recognized myself in that, that when there are other people around in the house, whether it's, you know, my wife, my kids, whatever, I am really happy to, to cook and make a meal with several courses, not courses, but you know, like several different kinds of food. You know, a meat and a, and a vegetable and a starch and maybe a salad and maybe, you know, whatever. When it's just me, I'm going to go in the fridge and I'm going to find, uh, you know, a hot dog and stick it in the microwave. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, that's still true. Uh, maybe I'm a little better at it than I used to be the other day. And actually it was that, that night right before the meeting. Um, I had a plan for dinner and I got home and, um, I think my daughter was out somewhere. Uh, my son was on a, on a Skype call with a, with a friend and my wife was going to her meeting and I made dinner and I enjoyed my dinner. And then I went to my meeting and I, and, and when I came out of my meeting, I found a text on my phone from my son who said, dinner was really delicious tonight, daddy. Thank you. Uh, and you know, and so I was kind of preparing it for other people, but even though they weren't there, I went ahead and enjoyed it. And I didn't feel like, cause I can get really resentful when I prepare a meal and then the people quote for whom I prepared it, like aren't there or they're rushing off to something and they can't eat it. And, and I know that's about me and I deserve a good meal. Okay. That's just, that's just it. Um, Saturday meeting, we were on step five. Um, and, uh, I don't know, no, no real new insights there for me. Um, Sunday last week, uh, we had a reading from Courage to Change, which is about service. And there was some really, really excellent sharing there. And, and I was reflecting afterwards about the difference between service and caretaking. Uh, and actually, um, on a recent episode of Recovered Podcast, um, I think it's the one that's titled AA versus Al-Anon, which is a somewhat provocative title, mm-hmm. especially since most of the discussion, they talked about the similarities rather than the differences. But um, they, they they did highlight that one of the differences, especially for people who are 
uh, sort of new to each of the programs. In AA, they encourage people to stop being selfish and to do service for other people to, to, you know, to turn outwards and, and, and support other people. And, and in Al-Anon, we're told, take care of yourself first. And, and that really, you know, speaks a lot to the difference in the personalities of, of, uh, codependence versus addicts, I think. But, uh, you know, it is, we are encouraged to do service in the program, but we have to find a balance of service versus taking care of people, I think is, is what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I think speaking as a sponsor, that's, that's a place where that gets highlighted for me, that as a sponsor, I have a certain role in helping to guide my sponsee to finding their own answers to, to finding their way through the steps or which, whatever it is we're working on, but I am not there to solve their problems. And that's, that's really pretty clear. And it helps me to practice, um, you know, being supportive without being uh, controlling or taking care of somebody. Uh, and then um, I had an experience, which I guess uh, kind of a step 10 experience today. I, uh, I came out of church and I thought I would get um, a bite to eat before I came to record the podcast. And, and so I was walking down the street in Ann Arbor and we have this sort of monthly magazine newspaper that homeless people sell. And they get some, they get some money from, you know, selling it and it helps to support them to not have to beg, you know, so they're standing on the street corner selling you a, a newspaper instead of just asking for money. And, and it feels, and it, and it, and the, the, the newspaper has reporting in it about issues that are really of relevance to, you know, homeless or otherwise um, displaced people. And, uh, and so there's a little bit of a social uh, benefit there as well, I feel. Anyway, so I'm walking down the street and this guy says, Hey, you want to buy, you know, this issue of, of the, of this magazine? And, and I said, Well, I've already got the July issue. And he said, No, we've got this special summer issue that we, we do once a year and it's $10, suggested donation $10. Um, and I said, Well, and, and part of it is I'm just trying to like get away from this guy. And I'm like, Well, I can't afford it. He said, Well, I could take less. And I thought, okay, you know, he said, he said, and then, and I could have enough money to buy breakfast and whether that's what he's really going to do with it or not, I don't know. And this is one of the reasons I don't give money to people who are just begging because I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to use it for. Okay. And you got to put that in quotes that no, I've heard from people who used to be on the street who discourage giving money to people who are begging on the street. And so I kind of, you know, give my money to organizations rather than to individuals. And that's just my personal choice. But, um, so this guy, so I said, how about $5? He said, okay, I still get some profit from that. So I gave him $5 and I, and I took the magazine and then I turned and walked into a restaurant and I thought, okay, I can't afford a $10 magazine, but I'm about to spend close to $10 on lunch. And by the end of, by the end of lunch, I realized I needed to go back out and give him another $5 because it, it's, I, you know, I, and I think probably we all do this, but I know I put things in different categories and I can afford, I didn't actually spend quite $10 on lunch. Um, but you know, I can quote afford a $10 lunch, but I can't afford a $10 newspaper to help, you know, maybe get this guy to a point where he can get off the street. Um, and, uh, and so I went back out and I, I said, hey, here's the extra $5. And he was extremely surprised that I had done that and, and sounded very grateful. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is step 10 working in my life. I realized that, that I was being cheap, which is one of my character defects and that I either should have said, no, I don't want it. Or I should have given him the full amount. Mm -hmm. 
And that, you know, again, personal decision here should meaning this is the decision that I can feel comfortable with. Yeah. So that's my week. All right. So Monday I went to my AWOL group. Um, and um, so I've sort of been on a little hiatus, so I'm sort of just getting back into it. But um, so our, our AWOL group is now on step 12. And it's looking like the plan for the group is to finish up step 12 by the end of this month and then um, maybe take a couple of months off and then start start in again um, with with uh, a slightly different format since we will have finished the steps. But anyway, um, so I'm kind of realizing like, wait, we're supposed to be done with step 12 by like in a couple of weeks, like, but I'm still kind of on step eight. Like, I got to get back into this. Like... <laughs> Um, and also it's like, I, I, and and it's not just, I mean, okay, it's partly inspired by the outside pressure. Um, but it's also, so I, I have, I've been sort of on hiatus cause I've had a lot of other stuff going on and life has been a little crazy. And so it's been, my thought process has been that like, as a means of self care, I will cut down on extra things so that I can, you know, deal with, um, what's going on. Um, so that was sort of my hiatus, but, um, I'm kind of getting to the point of realizing that, like, yeah, I don't really feel that great. Like, I feel a little bit more crazy and, you know, maybe I need to get back to that, that philosophy of, like I talked about when I first started working the steps, it's like, well, I don't know what this has to do with my immediate problems, but people who have done it seem to swear that this is the way of feeling better about everything. And so, and when I was more in a a process of really working the steps and taking time out every week to sit down and write down answers to questions, like I did kind of feel more on track. Um, so I'm kind of like, yeah, well, maybe I should, maybe I would feel better if I did kind of get back to this. So so yeah, that was sort of my nudge to get back to working on steps. So it was also just kind of funny that we're doing this podcast on working the steps. Like, hmm, maybe <laughs> I should actually do some of that now, um, now that I'm talking about it. So, yeah. Your higher power working in your life. <laughs> yeah, there's that. You're doing for you what you cannot do for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, and then... Let's see. So also I've been, this past week, I've been kind of in the midst of trying to make a, a large decision and kind of feeling a little overwhelmed, like either way. And I don't really, don't know what to do. And, um, so I guess this could go in, in either category. This could go in the, um, our lives and recovery section or the listener feedback section. Cause this is sort of about the podcast. Cause I listened to, um, the last week's show on tradition seven. Mm-hmm. And there was some stuff in there that I found really helpful. Um, like there was something about, I think there was something that you said, Spencer, last week about, um, when you're, when sometimes when people are trying to make decisions, they will go around and like ask everyone they know and like look for guidance from everyone. And it can almost be a form of like not wanting to take responsibility for the. I think I did decision. say something like that. Yeah. 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 So I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, totally. That's, that's like exactly what's going on with me. Like, I mean, it's, 
not that not that talking to people and getting feedback isn't helpful. It, it is, but I think there is also this element of like, yeah, it's too big a deal. I don't really want to be responsible for what happens either way. So let me ask a bunch of people and then maybe I can do what one of them said to do. And then if it goes wrong, I'll look back at them and be like, yeah, that was all their fault. You know, instead of just, you know, stepping up and really taking responsibility. Like, no, this is my decision and I'm free to make it either way, but I'm going to have to face the consequences of what happens. So, you know, I need to just step up and take responsibility. And I think that was a big part of the the struggle with trying to make the decision was just not wanting to face that, that aspect of it. So mm-hmm. that really helped me. Um, and there was something else that you had mentioned about um, going to the gym and, and how you had been in some sort of like group exercise yeah. thing. Yeah. And then once the group element went away, you kind of stopped going. And it's like, I've had that exact same experience myself. Um, like I, I find it so much easier to exercise if there's other people involved or if I'm going to a class and then there's a teacher who's going to teach me and therefore I have to do it, but to just go by myself for myself and be self-sufficient in that sort of a way, like, yeah, that doesn't happen. And, and I hadn't really thought of that as a tradition seven sort of thing because I don't know, somehow I, I tend to think of it as like a, um, more to do with finances than mm-hmm. other yeah, things. Yeah, well, that's but, the exact but, wording in there. But it's true. It's like, yeah, there are all these other ways of being self-sufficient. And, and yeah, it was it was an interesting take on it that, like, yeah, I, I kind of want to put my physical well-being in other people's hands as well. Like, well, if they couldn't, if they didn't have time to meet for a class, well, then it's it's not my fault that I'm out of shape this week. You know, it's so... Yeah, anyway, I found that really, really helpful, and I, I like Tradition 7 in general. And and just as a reminder for, for the listeners who don't have them all memorized, um, which is probably most of us, uh, 7 says, Every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And, you know, it doesn't say money. Yeah, it doesn't, actually. It <laughs> we, doesn't. we take it to mean money a lot because the basket goes around and we say, in accordance with our seventh tradition or whatever, yeah. we, we do not, uh, you know, we're self-supporting through our own voluntary contributions. And, but the readings about the step emphasize that this also includes service. Mm-hmm. That includes things like talking in the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> includes things like setting up chairs and, yeah. and, and so if we, if we take that broader, broader meaning and apply it uh, out into the, our whole life. It it uh, it covers a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, it does. Anyway, I, I thought it was a really good episode, and I think you and Ruth both had a lot of really great things to say there. That I got a lot of it out of it, so well, thanks. thanks for that. Um, and then, let's see, also, so I also went to that same meeting on Wednesday about self, where self-care was a topic, and that was that was really good for me because I... It's something I struggle with. Um, it seems like the easiest first thing to go out the window whenever anything else comes up. Like, uh, it's just me. I don't really need a nice meal or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it was a really good, good meeting and a good reminder. And there were a couple of shares that, that really spoke to me. Um, uh, one person talked about, about, the, the hardest part about self-care for him was to 
to recognize that he's worthy of self-care in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because, like, that just made a lot of sense to me because it's not like I don't know how to care. Like, I can care for other people quite easily. So it's not like I don't know how to care for myself. I just don't think I'm worthy of bothering, usually, is what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good insight into what's going on there with a the lack of self-care. Um, yeah, sort of the mother syndrome, you know. How many mothers does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, oh, don't mind. I'll just sit here in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's that. Um, no, no need to, to go to any trouble for me. Yeah. Um, and then another person shared about how self-care can become a form of control or of attempting control at a situation. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting, um, mm. way of, of looking at it. Like, like if like, I do you know, this thing for myself, then the, the other person will recognize that. Or something. Yeah. I mean, I think it was sort of in a medical context. Like, if I take care of myself, if oh. I eat the right foods, then all medical things will go well. Okay. And they okay. didn't, and then this right. person was upset yes. about it. I do remember that, Sharon. I thought, yeah, yeah, that was, I could totally relate <laughs> yeah. to that. Um, yeah. If I eat right, I won't have to. If I eat right and exercise, I won't need blood pressure medication. That right. Was, if I that was right, my attempt to control through self-care. Yes. If I if I just eat the right things, I will be perfectly healthy and never have yeah. any health problems ever. You know. Not true. Not yeah. true. Um, but yet it's still important to do. Um, just not as a form of control. So, so yeah, there were some really good, good things at that meeting. And then, yeah, I think that's pretty much my week. All right. All right. Thank you. Patty, could you maybe speak a little bit about how you have used the program in your life uh, recently, maybe over the, the past week or so? I, yeah, I use the program in my life all the time now, um, in, in all of my relationships. When I first came to recovery, like I said, I think I, I used it because I was trying to put out a particular fire. And now I use the program more to prevent fires, to, to take care of myself and when I'm in a situation that, um, where the boundaries are kind of iffy or like if I'm in a situation at work where I, I want to make sure that, uh, I don't escalate a situation or I don't um, overreact or to, to kind of check my thinking to make sure that I'm not um, seeing things, you know, to, to have better perspective. And, and the, the, um, the program really helps me to do all of those things. If, if I'm you know, feeling upset about something, I can, I can go to my, like you said, you can kind of go to the index of your, of your, you know, daily affirmation book and look up a topic and, and read up on it a little bit. And then just to gain some perspective about how to handle things where I think, um, when I first started in recovery, my reaction, I, I was very reactive in how I responded to everything. And now I have more of a tendency to kind of push the pause button and wait for a little bit and go research it and then come back and, and use the tools of, of Al-Anon or my other recovery programs to, um, to deal with the situation. And when I do that, I don't have fires that I have to put out in my life. Hmm. That sounds like... Or at least as many. At least yeah. as many fires. <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds like a really good way to, to be able to live. Yeah. All right. Our topic next week will be the three C's. And uh, if you haven't heard of the three C's, it's uh, 
we are told that we didn't cause it, we can't cure it, and we can't control it. So those are the three C's, cause, cure, control. And the three C's capture our powerlessness. They really, for me, formed the basis of my understanding of step one, that I did not cause my wife's alcoholism, that I could not control it, and that I could not cure it. Um, and hearing those three C's enabled me to, to take the step forward into Al-Anon, to, to start trying to take care of myself instead of her. So what is what does these three C's mean for us? What does it mean for the ones we love who are caught in this disease? Uh, love to hear your thoughts on these questions. You can join our conversation, leave a voicemail, or send us an email with your experience or questions about the three C's. And uh, Maria, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share for your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of what does it mean to work the steps, or next week's topic of the three C's. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Uh, Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, hey, that would be our website, which uh, therecoveryshow.com. It has all the information that you need to find out about the show. We have notes for each episode. Um, we uh, have occasional meditations posted there. We have links to the music we play, as I mentioned earlier, and there's links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. And uh, there's lots of different ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. Um, and uh, I don't think I'm going to enumerate them. We already talked about sending feedback, email, or voicemail. If you'd really like to join the conversation, I mean literally, consider being a guest host by phone or Skype. Uh, email feedback at com if you're interested in, in you know, like Ruth and uh, Patty did today. Maria, do we have any voicemails or emails or comments this week? Um, yes, we do. Uh, let's take a little break first. Uh, the next song on our playlist is Ani DeFranco, Work Your Way Out. This song captures a couple aspects of working the steps. One is that it is an inside job, and secondly, that it can be a lifelong process. Um, and some of the lyrics are, It's never-ending, haven't you heard? I don't need to tell you what this is about. You just start on the inside. had um, a couple of emails this week. Uh, three, I guess. One from Laura. She wrote, Spencer and Recovery Show Team. Years ago, I read a poem on a CD cover. I think of it so often when I listen to your talks. The author was cited as Anonymous from El Salvador. I like you, love, love life, the sweet enchantment of things, the celestial countryside on January days, but my blood boils and I laugh with the eyes that have known tears. Life is interesting, she continues. I'm a director at a university by day, and I go home to a surreal life that I never dreamed I would live at night. I've been hanging in there for 11 years with my actively alcoholic husband. The house used to be an open door for family, friends, neighbors, and the door has slowly closed. 
closed now even for holiday gatherings, and I'm a different person than I was 11 years ago. I started down a path to figure out what happened to me and to figure out what I need to do to find my way back to joy. Because of your podcast, I'm beginning to realize that the prison I created for myself truly is my own. Your talks give me hope. I've started going to Al-Anon meetings, and in the interim, you have been my stronghold on evenings when the world seems overwhelmingly gray. I laugh with the eyes that have known tears. A wise friend once said to me, Our charge is to help one another get to heaven. You're doing that for me, friends. Thank you. Doesn't seem to do it. I wish there were grander words. Well, thank you. Thank you for those words, Laura. And uh, I, I sounds like very much like the life that I had, that, that we used to have people in a lot and the door got closed and closed and more closed. And, and eventually I realized that we were not entertaining at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sort of the only people that ever came to the house were my kids' friends. And I wasn't sure I wanted them to see what was going on in the house, but I, you know, didn't have that level of control, I guess. Um, so there is a way out, and uh, and I hope you are finding it. Can you read uh, Julie's email? Sure. Um, Julie said, hi, guys. Um, hello, I really like your show. I listen to the podcast while I'm at work when my fellowship, OA, is not cutting it. I struggle with addiction, alcohol, and food but I've been abstinent and sober for two years. What kills me is my relationship with my mom. She is not an alcoholic, but I do believe her to be a true food addict. We really have a turbulent relationship, and I feel I can benefit from working Al-Anon's steps regarding personal relationships and codependency. I just feel kind of weird because she's not an alcoholic. Am I at the right place? Thanks so much for your service, and God bless. Julie. And uh, i just say to you, Julie, I know several people in the program locally who uh, came to Al-Anon because of addiction issues other than alcohol or, or drugs and have found uh, some measure of recovery in, in Al-Anon. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't speak for meetings that, that I haven't been to, but certainly all the meetings that I go to, we never ask you why you're here. And I always say, if you feel that you belong, if you feel that, um, what you hear touches your life, and if you find recovery here, please keep coming. Do you have any thoughts on that, Maria? Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like having problems with a relationship with someone else with an addiction. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. If it was me, I would say yes, definitely. That sounds like this is the right place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it doesn't seem to be so much about what the substance is, but the relationship dynamics are very similar across the yeah. board. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to relate to, you know, specific discussions about alcoholic behavior, but, um, that's really a small part of, of the program in my experience. And if you find yourself in a meeting where all people are doing is talking about their alcoholics, just go find a different meeting. Okay. Yeah. Because that's probably not a healthy meeting anyway. That's me being judgmental. But it's also me relaying my experience that when I go to those meetings, they don't help me. And, uh, and I, I recognized that when I was still pretty young in the program, when I went to a meeting that people just were bitching about how horrible their week had been. And I was like, this is not a meeting that's helping me. This is not a meeting that makes me feel better when I leave. And I didn't go back. So please keep coming. Uh, we had a short note from Martha. Uh, Martha said, Thank you for the show. I'm new, and I don't always feel like Al-Anon is a fit for me, but your show helps. 
I wrote back, I said something like, uh, please keep coming back and uh, take what you like and leave the rest. And I put those in quotes because those are things we say a lot. And, uh, and she responded. She said, thanks, Spencer. I went to three meetings this week. I had been to two of them before. I started a year ago, but quit when my qualifier decided she wasn't an alcoholic. This past December, she went back to AA. I started back to Alan on the next few, last few months, on and off, due to schedule, etc. My therapist says I should get a sponsor. The hard thing is I wasn't exposed to alcoholism as a child. Both parents and my whole family pretty sober. However, both grandfathers drank. Never met my dad's dad. He died before I was born. So both my friends didn't really drink and were very aware of alcohol issues. So I'm embarrassed to share my story, since it isn't really traumatic like everyone else's. But I relate to the feelings. I'm codependent and have tried CODA, but the meetings are not as frequent or easy to find. I've been on and off in relationship with my qualifier for three years. Now she has shut me out completely without talking about what triggered her or what we can do to make anything work. She won't say anything one way or another. Not even sure she's still in treatment. Haven't had contact for two months. Anyway, thanks for listening in your podcast. I listen to them more than once and have to write down some of the nuggets to remember when I need the support. Thanks again, Martha. Um, and, you know, we all have different stories, Martha, and some people's stories are really dramatic, and, of course, those are the ones that stand out for you, but, you know, some people's stories are very much like yours, that, you know, nothing horrible happened, but your life was affected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like my story is not that dramatic, and 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 then I think about, you know, I mean, we didn't have any DUIs, we didn't have any arrests, we didn't have any broken windows or holes punched in walls, we didn't have any personal injury, but, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, it's not so horrible. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the way I was affected, and, and I was severely affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's not the circumstance, it's the feeling. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Your thoughts, Maria? Yeah, um, this, so the, the part here about, um, both of the grandfathers drank, um, I can relate to that because I grew up in a house where no one was drinking, but my, my mom's stepfather was an alcoholic. And so, and I never really gave this much thought. I mean, I came into the program because of my husband's drinking, but once I had been in for a while and started to learn more about alcoholism and how it affects families, I started to see it much, much more clearly in my family of origin. Um, and I could see, you know, it really does go down through the generations. And I can see, you know, pretty clearly now that I know the patterns, I can see how it affected my mom, how she is codependent and how she's passed on her codependent traits to me and just how, you know, just little things about how the whole family operates there. It's definitely there. It's not as present. It's hard, harder to put your finger on when it's not an active user directly in the family, but it definitely affects things. Um, it's, yeah. And I mean, they say alcoholism is a cunning and baffling disease. And I feel like that's part of it, the way it can trickle down in this almost Mm -hmm. silent hidden sort of way through the generations. So, yeah, um, I think that definitely, it can definitely, um, yeah, as you say, you relate to the feelings. I think the feelings are, are the same. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I also, I mean, there was no alcoholism in, in my family growing up. Uh, my parents did drink. They drank responsibly. They had a full liquor cabinet and it stayed full, uh, you know, which doesn't happen in a, in a household with an alcoholic. 
Uh, and uh, I, I have wondered at times about uh, one of my grandfathers. I will never know. Uh, I know that my mother got her codependency from somewhere, uh, but I don't know if it, if it came from alcohol or not. And I do know that my, my uncle and my cousin um, are affected by this disease. And uh, so it's somewhere in the family. But I never saw it growing up. Uh, and, and, uh, so when it, when it came into my life, I was baffled by it. So, uh, and I, I totally, um, empathize with, uh, people who cut off contact and won't explain why, um, been there. And it's, it's painful and frustrating. So a little bit of news here. I, uh, I'm pleased to announce that Kelly and Suetha, who helped to start the Recovery Show podcast, are now producing a new Recovery Show podcast with some friends. It's called Experience, Strength, and Hope Recovery. The podcast is not yet available on iTunes. There are several episodes that are posted on their website, which is eshrecovery.com. That's eshrecovery. Stands for Experience, Strength, and Hope. Uh, and uh, it's it's different. And the, you know, I mean, it's similar in that, hey, we're both talking about recovery and it's different. They have a rotating format with uh, four different formats. There's a discussion format, which is pretty much, um, what uh, the recovery show does. There's a meeting style format where people share without conversation. Uh, there's a panel format with uh, questions to a number, uh, several people on a particular topic. And, uh, and there's open talk episodes where, um, one person uh, tells their, their story. So go check it out uh, and, and help to support them And because I'm sort of of the opinion you can't have too many recovery podcasts. Uh, I mean, two, right? There's a few more than two. Uh, check out the links on our website. Uh, there's a couple couple of others there, I think. Um, let's see. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show. We do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. Uh, you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear by using the donation button on our website. And you can support us directly just like Laura and Penelope did. Thank you again, Laura and Penelope. And uh, the uh, the third song that uh, I want to talk about on the playlist is from Janis Joplin, uh, Blast From My Past, my uh, young teenagerhood this works out too. It's called Work Me Lord. And again, some lyrics. So a work me Lord, use me Lord, don't you know... How hard it is trying to live all alone. Every day I keep trying to move forward, but something is driving me oh back. Honey, honey something's trying to hold on to me to my way of life. And, um, you know, to me that's speaking about we're in the steps we ask for help. That, you know, we are stuck in an old way of life and we want to get out of it and we realize we can't do it on our own. Uh, and that, that we need help and we can... You know, we can get help from a higher power. We can get help from other people in the program, which for me is the primary way I hear from my higher power is through other people in the program. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you're facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. Understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.